On today's edition of Bench Bros, can the Gators upset LSU and Baton Rouge? Who wins the Red River rivalry? Can Penn State escape the Iowa Hawkeyes? The Nationals upset the Dodgers and what to expect from the Astros and Yankees. It's the first week of the NHL regular season and Ant's favorite subject, NASCAR playoffs in Talladega. All of that more on Bench Bros. Let's go! Welcome to this edition of Bench Bros Sports Podcast. We're glad you could join us today as we are a bunch of sports junkies debating about the hottest topics going around in the world of sports. I'm your host, Wesley Splane. Joining me today is Anthony Fertini and Brandon Farrell uh, is not able to join us, so it's just going to be us two. What's up, Brand- or, uh, what's up, Anthony? Yo, what is up? What's Gucci? What's it good? Just watching some baseball right now. Got the playoffs on Nationals versus uh, the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. The, I mean, th- this should be a good one. Yeah. I love baseball, postseason baseball, man. It's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, we can get into it a little bit later. I mean, what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with baseball or do you want to start with college football? I say let's just get into baseball. Yeah. I- I haven't been watching much. I got to be honest. I have not been watching much. I've been really, really busy lately. Yeah. Um, and I have not had much time to just come home and watch any type of TV. But uh, I got the game on right now. Game one. Nationals versus Cardinals in St. Louis. It's 0-0. Top the second. And it seems like it's going to be a pretty good matchup. Um, I just can't wait to watch the Yankees play. They're finally back in the playoffs here. And they're they're playing the Astros. That's a tough team for them. Um I just can't wait to see what they're going to do. I hope they go all the way this year. Yeah. And uh, in, order, in case you guys haven't caught up with the uh, MLB playoffs, the on the NL side, the Cardinals took uh, the Braves to game five and then scored 10 runs in the first inning. That's the most in any league of uh, Major League Baseball. It's the most ever. And so they single-handedly won against the Braves. And then the Nationals and the Dodgers went to five games as well. And then they, the Dodgers threw Clayton Kershaw in as a relief pitcher. And the Nationals hit two home runs off of him in order to make it to go extra innings. Then the Nationals scored a grand slam and in the 10th inning in order to seal their deal against the Dodgers, pushing the Dodgers out of the playoffs. So it's the Nationals and the Cardinals on the National League side. And then the Yankees took care of business by sweeping the Twins pretty single-handedly. And then the Astros went five games against the Tampa Bay Rays, but last night the Astros won 6-1 to in game five in order to advance. The Rays pitcher was tipping his pitches a little bit with his curveballs and uh, fastballs, and the Astros got off to that 4 nothing lead pretty uh, fast because of those tip pitches. But yeah, I mean, this um, the more interesting series is obviously the ALCS because the Astros and the Yankees are arguably the best teams in baseball right now. Um, you got a great pitching from the Astros with Granke, Cole. Cole Cole's bit hasn't lost a game since May every single time he's pitched, which is ridiculous. And then at the same time, you got Verlander on there. And then on the other side with the Yankees, you got a bunch of batters that can just hit the ball out of the park. Yeah. That's yeah, going to be the stronghold is the, the, the hitting for the Yankees is going to have to be critical for them. And they're going to have to be good when they're out in the field fielding as well. 
um, because we know the whole, uh, whole thing with the Yankees injury, um, with their injuries and whatnot. And especially as it's getting colder out, we don't know how these guys are going to do. So they seem pretty healthy. And then, uh, we had Luis Severino come in the other night. Uh, like he only pitched one game coming into the postseason, and he pitched pretty well against the twins and the twins are a heavy slugger team. So that's a good sign for the Yankees going forward. But the, but the Astros, they have those bats cooking. Like they might not hit a lot of home runs, but they get on base pretty often. Right. Right. And it, and then, you know, the vulnerability is going to be on the other side with the Yankees pitching. Like Tanaka is going to be starting game one against Granke on uh, tomorrow on Saturday. So if if the Yankees can win a few in the Astros, I I, I don't think they'll have a, any trouble going into like winning at Yankee Stadium because that's their ballpark. They know how to hit hit out of those uh, ballparks and like what's the wall and stuff. Where the Astros ball field is like pretty big and it's like pretty far. Right. Like I think uh, center field's four twenty, whereas the Yankees it's like four hundred. And I think they got a little hill up there in the back. Um, no, they got rid of that hill. Oh, they got rid of that. Okay, I know. Yeah. Used to have so that. now it's further. Yeah. Yeah, I missed that hill. <laughs> that was so interesting. Every ballpark is so different. It's really cool to see. Um, yeah. This is so weird. Like I don't understand that, but I, I don't know. It was cool because it was different, but as far as the purpose behind it, I didn't really get too much out of it. Yeah, I don't know either, but it was just a unique feature of that ballpark that could be like a home field advantage thing. I guess it was just no one hit it to it to where it could be a home field advantage, so I guess they just got rid of it in general. Exactly. But from the cards and the um, Nationals, Nationals just keep coming. They've been down in like most of their games, and then they would come back to win them. And they got Max Schwerzer and Steven Strasburg uh, that's been, like, really freaking awesome at pitching. But yeah. their bullpen stinks. Especially their bullpen Max. is awful. Ever since they got rid of Brace Harper, but Max, uh, I forget, I don't know. Max how Schwerzer. Yeah, yeah. He is a good pitcher. And Strasburg is just as good, too. But I think the consistency is better with Max. Yeah. And the Cardinals are good all around. They don't have really any big names besides Yadi Molina, their catcher. But they, they just have a consistently good amount of players that are rotating. They'll do the job well. They'll get the job done. And, you know, they, you don't need much from them. So they pretty much do everything for them. And right. when it comes to the Nationals, they got some sluggers on that team. But, um, you know, it's mostly hitters. They get on base pretty well, too. Like, if their bats are cooking, it's good. If their bats are cold, then, like, they rely on their starting pitching to come through for them. Because Steven Strasburg and Max Schwarzer are pretty dang good at pitching. No, it's definitely true. Yeah. So, hopefully, we're rooting for the Yankees. Hopefully, the NLCS and the ALCS go on till uh, next weekend, which means it'll go on to Game 6 and Game 7. But um, I'm going to see... I'll probably like try to swing over to like the bars outside of Yankee Stadium like for a game. Just not go to the game. Just chill at the bars there. I feel like that'd be a fun atmosphere. Yeah, especially during especially during big games. Um, yeah, playoffs. I mean, like, come on. Yeah, Yankees fans are great, man. They're just very loyal to their team. Honestly, like that's like the only New York team that can really you can really like. Ride it's the only forever. New York team that's good. 
<laughs> but it's the only it's the only New York team that you could actually really ride with for your whole life if you're a Yankees fan. Like you like Yankees fans are Yankees fans. They're, they don't like anybody else. They don't stop rooting for their team when they suck. You know, like they, they right. truly are really faithful. You know, you don't get that with the Rangers. You don't get that with like any other team, the Giants really like still when they suck, they're like, you're a Giants fan, that's it. Like no pride, no nothing. The Yankees, I feel like you really get that sense of like pride in their team. Yeah, man, it's iconic. It's the pinstripes, it's the Bronx, it's Yankee Stadium, yeah. the legends, everything. I mean, our payroll might be big, but still, like, we got right. the stars. We we got a great farm system. The farm system is tremendous. I hope Cliff Frazier was playing, but the weakness for the Yankees could be Giancarlo Stanton because, like, he's still coming off an injury, and he just he either hits it out of the park or he just strikes out. It's It's yeah. nothing in between. No, so, that's very that's very true. And he's playing the outfield, which he doesn't do that often. So it could be a vulnerability if the Astros um, are able to exploit that um, vulnerability. But we'll see. I'm going. My World Series pick before the whole playoff started was Yankees and Cardinals. So it, it's looking pretty good right now. But I hope it comes to fruition because. The St. Louis ballpark is awesome. Like the Cardinals fans are great. Like they're they're pretty much the Midwest of the Yankees. Like they got a big history. They got like ten World Series wins. Um, all St. Louis is is all about baseball. I mean, they got their hockey and Blues fans are great too. But when it comes to baseball season, everyone's all about the Cardinals. Right. Pretty it's much all like your Blues. When did you see anything about the Blues ever since they won the Cup? Like for that, nobody even knew what kind of team they were. You know, yeah, like, I mean, you would have Blues fans, but like now you really not, have Blues fans because yeah, they won. They're not like Cardinals fans where they really stick out. Yeah, they're pretty much the Yankees fans just in the Midwest, and like exactly. the, this, um, the ballpark is awesome. Like you know Xfinity Live, right? Yeah, of course. So they have Ballpark Village, which is right next to the um, the outfield. And it's pretty much the same thing, but it's like a huge bar, and they got this like big jumbotron. It's like at least like, oh man, it's it's at least like, hundred and ten feet. Like it's pretty. You want to know? Big. You want to know why it's such a great stadium? Because it's Bush. Because <laughs> it's Bush. Stadium, well, the brewery, the brewery's right next to it, and when I went to a Cardinals game a few years ago, beer was like six dollars. That's At Yankee true. Stadium, it's fifteen. <laughs> like, yeah, because the beer is like, re- like literally right outside the stadium, right across the street. So like they got they got mounds of it, and then like oh. the same type Bar Park Village has uh, Fox Midwest in the same in the same building, and then also you can buy seats to go out and watch the game in your own seat. It's pretty cool. It's one of the go best to places. Denver. Go to Denver, and I'm sure it's a dollar a beer for a course like. <laughs> at, at Coors Park <laughs> for at the Rockies. Coors, Coors Park. Apparently, Coors that's a great ballpark too. But well, I haven't uh, been to a Rockies game. Yeah, it's buns. I mean, Yankees theme is cool and all, but Bush Stadium takes the cake for like best uh, game day experience for like baseball that I've been yeah. to. Like the Phillies is generic, and the Nationals is generic, and like. The Orioles is cool and all, but it's just like it's kind of bland because the team is bland. Orioles Stadium is nice though. I mean, they have that little like warehouse, Camden Yards and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, they have the 
every home run that was hit, they put a block in their name and how far it was hit. Of yeah. the name of the player and the uh, outside, like the stadium, like where the people walk. The players mm-hmm. hit it's too historical. Blocks. Yeah. I mean, Fenway, man. How, like, Fenway's awesome. I haven't just, been to Fenway, so I can't really say. I've passed it a couple times when I've been to Boston, but the, the park is just, it's so different. It's just so, I love the, like, old school historic, like, just true baseball field. There's, like, not much technology. It's very old school. They, they do the scores on the scoreboard by hand and everything. It's just so cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a great experience, and uh, it's it's and Wrigley Field too. That's on my bucket list as well. Wrigley, yes. It, I'm sure that's like an old timer stadium there too. I think that's the oldest stadium in baseball. Almost, they still got that. How old is ball. Fenway? I, I mean, it's it's either Fenway or Wrigley. I want to say both of them are like 1910s, 1920. I think Wrigley may be like 1905 or something. Honestly, yeah, probably older. I really, <laughs> I really think Wrigley Field is like well, well over hundred years old. Yeah. All right, so we're going on to college football, where it's a massive weekend for college football. A lot of top twenty-five matchups. One is um, the Red River rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas. These are the Big 12's best teams. This is always an exciting game. The past few years have been decided by one possession. Texas upset Oklahoma last year. Um, Oklahoma is favored by 10 and a half. Jalen Hurts going against Sam Ellinger. If you're looking for offense, that's the game to watch. Then you got Alabama versus Texas A&M, one versus 24. Alabama should have a cakewalk over that one because Texas A&M hasn't been performing up to expectations. Then you got Penn State going to Iowa. Where they've struggled a lot against this Iowa team, especially going to Iowa. There have been a couple times where Penn State has been ranked high and Iowa has upset them. Their one Saquon Barkley year, they almost beat him, but it was a late drive by Trace McSorley to get him down the field and score a touchdown. Then the big one, the big uh, top 10 matchup, uh, Florida versus LSU. LSU favored by 13 and a half points. LSU has the new offense with um, Burroughs at quarterback, and Florida just came off of beating Auburn. And you look at all these matchups, and it's a very exciting weekend of football. Uh, what sticks out to you, and who could be on upset alert? Man, this... This is a pretty good week, although it doesn't look like it. Um, South Carolina versus Georgia, that's an exciting game. Georgia's favored by 21.5 points, but we've seen what South Carolina can do. They, If South Carolina can be solid on defense and still be able to produce just as well on offense, they can go a close neck-to-neck game with Georgia. But The problem is that right it's in Georgia. <laughs> right, but still, like I, I do believe that if they can – keep it together they should be okay they just have to keep it together you can't make stupid mistakes texas and oklahoma you could have not said any 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 better this is offensive game uh jalen hurts the guy's just putting up points every week sam ellinger he's doing the same thing and he's able to run the ball it's going to be a good game to look for um, yeah, um, more I on think, that. It's like the Texas defense allowed West Virginia to have 347 yards of offense last week. So if you think West Virginia can do that, can you imagine what Jalen Hurts can do? Like we're, I think this game is going well over a thousand yards combined by both teams. And I, I know the spread is ten and a half by Oklahoma. I think Texas covers that. I think it's going to be a one possession game towards the end. But I just think 
Jalen Hurts, there's something special about Jalen Hurts this year with uh, Lincoln Riley and like all the offensive weapons that they have. I feel like they'll get the ball last and they'll score like the game winning drive, whether it's by a field goal or a touchdown. Oklahoma's going to be able to come out with the win, um, but I think it's going to be a neck to neck game. I don't think it's going to be no 21 to 56 game. I yeah. think it's Texas is going to be an eye opener after last week giving up so many yards to West Virginia and they're playing at home. Texas football is Texas football. There's yeah. no way. There's no other way to put it. Texas football is Texas football. I mean, all these players that are at these big time schools, most of them are coming from Texas. Yeah. So this is a big. Or- this is a big matchup when it comes to the college football playoff when it comes down to December because this pretty much decides if the Big Twelve is going to have a team. It really does. It dep- if Texas loses, they're pretty much done because they already lost to LSU, so that'd be two losses. And then Oklahoma, if they lose to Texas right now then that could be kind of a dim on their resume depending on how everyone else does and finishes the year. So this is a huge, huge game. Yeah, you can't lose. You can't have two losses and expect to make the playoffs unless the other teams have two losses as well. It's just not going to happen. One loss is even enough, honestly, especially early in the season. We're already halfway through the season pretty much, five, six games. But that's going to be a close game. Um, The next one up here... I think Temple's going to beat Memphis. I've never even – Memphis is ranked, and I haven't heard anything of them. Temple's a pretty decent team. Alabama and Texas A&M is always an exciting game between those uh, teams. But uh, Alabama's going to pull through. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, they're just going to get stronger. Alabama's a team that is just going to get stronger as the season goes. Clemson, Florida State. Clemson better win this game easily by 35 points, whether Florida State's 3-2 and two or not. Because after last week of what happened to them between um, – or it was two weeks ago in week five when Clemson played North Carolina, they won by one point. That is completely unacceptable for the number one ranked team. So they better pull away. From they are coming off a bye. They are coming off a bye, and they should pretty well handle uh, Florida State because Florida State has been all kinds of mess. They have to. <laughs> Wisconsin is going to beat Michigan. I don't know by how many points, not by – crapped on uh then another good games we got down here usc and notre dame you uh oh yeah USC, that one too usc is gonna lose notre dame is gonna pull by for sure probably by a good 14 20 points penn state and iowa that's gonna be a really exciting game because like you said last year they they almost literally lost like if, if i if uh was called if iowa could have converted in that end zone there it would have been game over but then penn state took the win so that was a close game that's going to be a neck to neck too, um, and then Penn Florida, State hasn't played anyone that's ranked either. So you're going to learn much about this Penn State team. They they have all the pieces right now to be a really good team. Like everything's coming together. Their new quarterback is throwing the balls right where it needs to be. They have a lot of uh, dynamic players on the outside. Their defense has been playing good too. Even even with that Pittsburgh close to neck to neck game, Pittsburgh's a in state rivalry, and Pittsburgh's a pretty good ball club. So. Yeah. I, I expect this to be a very close game. Maybe Penn State. Uh, it could either be Penn State blows them out, or which is like fifteen percent, or Iowa keeps it close to like the fourth quarter because Iowa is coming off that loss against Michigan. They didn't Hawkeyes really look that well. Tough. Hawkeyes are a tough team to play, and especially at home when they have yeah. that children's hospital there to give them that kind of support they need. Um, that is, and you got the away pink locker room. 
Yeah, that's not a that's not an easy stadium to play in at Iowa. Iowa's got a lot of uh, a lot of energy, a lot of positive energy. So going into the last game here, Florida and LSU, uh, whether Florida's ranked seven or not, LSU's ranked five. I don't give a shit about the rankings. LSU is going to pull away easily with this, and I say this because they're just too productive all around. They just have too much of that that um, SEC grit. So um, not saying Florida doesn't. But the stronger team here in the game of football is LSU. Joe Burrow's yeah. almost thrown for 2,000 yards coming from Ohio State. 22, 22 touchdowns, three picks. That's just too productive. And then they got um, – they're just dominating all around the field. Uh, not as strong as a team as some of these other powerhouses like Ohio State, Alabama, and uh, Oklahoma. But um, – Solid football team and and only getting better. So uh, LSU takes this game easily. Yeah, Florida is coming off of a big win of Auburn. You you wonder if that's going to carry over into another big game like this. Normally in college football, if you have two back to back big games, the second one usually kinds tend downward in performance. And Florida's got a backup quarterback. So and he's uh, he was injured in Auburn game. I think he's good to go now. But LSU like. The, the question was offense for like the past 15 or 20 years about LSU. Can the offense put as much point? Well, now they can because it's, Burroughs has been outstanding. And like yeah. they've been so productive on that to now it becomes defense for LSU, which you really don't think of that being a vulnerability is now a vulnerability of this LSU team. Let's think, think of it like this, right? Think about college football. Think about it like this. The top five, six teams. Can you name their quarterbacks and can you name their head coaches? For me, it's a yeah. If you ask me about the 6, 7, 8, 11, 13, 17 ranked team, there's a good chance I'm probably not going to know their quarterbacks and I'm probably yeah. not going to know their coaches. And that says a lot, right? So just think about that. I'm just going to leave that there. Think about that. Yeah. Not, you, you're totally right with the top six. You totally got it. Like You can totally name the, that uh, head coach-quarterback combo. I mean, it's just, it's just like – how are you going to compete with that when you have a good system down that works and you're able to spread that throughout your whole team, the energy is infectious. Like it's just so hard. It's so hard to to suppress that. And it's, it's not just playing the first quarter, the second quarter, these teams, they come out and they're still playing just as good in the like four minutes to go in the fourth as they were in the first. And and just like all around all special teams, defense, offense, coaching, like the coaching staff is still like, in top flight, like top gear, like on the sideline, still screaming, energized, like pumped up, whether they're down by three points, whether they're they're up by 50. We've seen it with Nick Saban. We've seen it with Ryan Day. It's just the way it goes with these top teams, and this is what wins games. It's what, what gets them good rankings. You know how you beat those teams? You run the ball and you control the clock, and you play great defense. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how you beat uh, it. You're very, you're very right about that. Uh, if you can have a strong defense and not that good of an offense, you're going to at least be able to control them and give them a little bit of uh, anxiety in that game and be like, you know what, guys? We may not win this one. We may not win this because they're not allowing us to get many yards, and we got to now rely on our kicker and how many field goals is our kicker going to get. So you're very right about uh, being and running the ball and controlling five. that clock. you got to have more time of possession than those teams. Otherwise, you're exactly. taking that out. You got to own the field, man. You got to own it. Like, if you're not a good, if your quarterback's not that good, get your running back ready and just pound the ball. Pound the ball to the outside, pound them up to the middle, 
have your linemen really in the game. Really focus yeah, on control the line of scrimmage out. is another big factor too. Yeah, it's it's just the multiple things, honestly, and it needs to be. It needs all these players need to have a buy-in. They need to have a true buy-in, a true yeah. belief that they're going to win. Which is why I, I, I'm telling you, I really think Wisconsin is going to beat Ohio State next week. <laughs> Dude, that, I, I because know. Wisconsin checks off every single one of those boxes. They got great offensive line. They got a tremendous running back. Are you kidding? <laughs> Jonathan Taylor is making a statement for like a Heisman case. Like right now, the Heisman front runners are uh, Joe Burrows, Jalen Hurts, and Jonathan Taylor. And then they got a great defense. Their, their defense is still top five in almost every single category. It's going to be a matchup. This <coughs> week. The first, the first half is going to be difficult for Ohio State. I won't even be surprised if if they're down by a touchdown, but they're not going to lose this game. It, it just the coach. It goes down once again to the coaching, the leadership, the true athleticism, the raw athleticism. I don't want to talk them up, but. Um, Justin Fields is as smart as they come when he's in the, when he's got the ball. I mean, there was one play. I don't know what game it was. Maybe it was last week, the week before, and yeah, he had Michigan like State probably. He had five wide. They had literally five wide. They knew where, they knew they were throwing the ball. Every single guy was completely covered, press coverage and whatnot. He didn't want to force the ball. He saw the opening right away. And he jetted and he got like fifteen yards off of it. Is Wisconsin going to be able to stop that type of stuff? And if they do, if they do, are they able to stop the long ball? Can they stop that ball after ball after ball with these guys? Ohio State's got like five, like five star receivers. There's just too much on the field going on at once. I don't know if Wisconsin's going to be able to play up to that speed. And that's the problem. Like, Wisconsin's a tough team, but you got to think Ohio State, Ohio State is a different breed. It's like playing with Alabama. Alabama's really, really smart with the ball. They may not be super completely skilled. I think Wisconsin's got experience and they got talent too. I you got to look at recruiting. Recruiting's more of a national thing now too. We'll have to see. Yeah, of course. But like, I'm judging by the way Wisconsin has been playing, especially from Michigan State, like or against Michigan, they couldn't like Michigan couldn't do squat. It looked like the talent was all on the um the Wisconsin side, even though Michigan. Michigan has all these top five, like five star recruits and stuff. It, yeah. It's just when it comes to recruiting, all that five star system is all bogus. Like it, it, to me, it really is. When but I, anyway, it just when, depends on how your p- players develop because a lot of people will still play running back and quarterback when they're in high school because they're I that mean, much athletic. When I mean five star, I don't mean by the recruiting system. I mean by uh, like what you see on the field. So like, let's say you have a three star receiver and you're like. And he's been like just a complete like stud on the field. You're like, that's a five star yeah. guy. That's what I mean by like five star players. And I've seen that from Wisconsin. Their offensive line goes to the NFL every single one of those And like they lost four stars last year, and it looks like they haven't missed the running back. He's going to be a probably a first round pick in the NFL if he keeps having the production. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's at Ohio. We we'll can talk about it more next week when we start our uh, CFP 100 podcast for college football. That's what's the name of it. Make sure you look out for that CFP 100. But yeah, I mean, if these top teams can pull it out, it's probably going to be those top five to six teams battling out at the end of the year. 
I think this is this game is going to come down to a strategic place between Ohio State and Wisconsin. I know we're kind of getting off topic, but it's going yeah. to come down to strategy, coaching expertise, and endurance. Because these both teams, I've seen Wisconsin hasn't really – I mean, Wisconsin's good, but like you're talking about playing Ohio State, the best team in the Big, in the big, big Ten, which I believe. You think Wisconsin is, I know that. But Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten, I do believe. And they – dude, look, both teams could spread the ball around the field to many different players, and that is lethal. Because if you have all these players running their engines at 100%, not just one or two, it's going to be more difficult to cover all those types of players yeah. rather than just being like, oh, we got to stop Justin Fields. Oh, we got to stop J.K. Dobbins. Like, yeah, we know we got to stop those guys. We know it. But what about Chris Hobley? What about what about all these other guys? You know, like same thing with Wisconsin. You got to stop all these other guys that are spreading the ball around. So it's it's going to be a good game. But I definitely think Ohio State's going to pull out a good win. Wisconsin's de- Wisconsin's defense uh, only allowed 178 yards already. They averaged that. Passing yards allowed 131. Like <laughs> they've only allowed three touchdowns the whole year. That's that's ridiculous right now going into Week Six. Yeah, that's that's impressive. Very impressive. But yeah, I right now I got Florida. Taking the big L to LSU. I don't know how big. I don't know if they'll cover, but I also have Notre Dame winning. Do you see any upsets anywhere? Uh, this week? Yeah. Um, upset. Let's see. Hmm. Let me think about this real quick. I don't see Carolina, South Carolina being Georgia, although they're a pretty tough team. Texas beating Oklahoma. I just can't see Texas stopping uh, Jalen Hurts and Sam Ellinger being able to withstand that Oklahoma yeah. team. You like uh, Temple. I like Temple over Memphis, yeah. And Temple's got a great defense. They got a great defense. Yeah, I like them over them. And, ah, oh, man, Houston-Cincinnati may be close, and I, I'm going to take Texas Tech over Baylor. Ah, uh, you son of a gun. That was mine. Texas Tech over Baylor was yeah. uh, my Texas prediction. Tech, Texas, Tech, Texas Tech has a good team. I don't care if Baylor's 5-0 and or not. you got to realize what type of teams these are playing. Who knows? Who kn- I don't know who Baylor's playing. Baylor may be playing, like, Florida A&M. That doesn't even have a football team, you know? So, like, I don't know that. It just says they're ranked. But, like, Texas Tech I know has played – some decent teams already and like Baylor Baylor beat Iowa State and then they beat um Kansas State last week and Kansas State is pretty well ranked and then they also uh beat a ranked Rice team (laughs) but Texas Tech beat Oklahoma State last week who who was ranked and upset them and they were up like big 21 to 0 at the end of the first quarter the most exciting game of this week is going to be Penn State, Iowa, and then Florida, LSU. Um, no, not even Florida, LSU. Uh, Penn State and Iowa is going to be the most exciting game this week. Yeah, and, I and think Louisville, Oklahoma and Texas is also like exciting as well. I think Louisville will put up a good fight against Wake Forest. I think yeah, they could. Pretty exciting. And Oregon State and Utah, you never know what's going to happen with that. We've talked about this Utah defense as Oregon Oregon State offense is pretty productive. So uh watch out for Hawaii over Boise State. Yeah, you never know. 
Never Watch know. Watch out for those guys. They travel well. They're used to traveling. They travel pretty dang well. <laughs> I mean, Oregon's Oregon's um, quarterback here, Jake Lutton. He's six seven, two hundred thirty pounds. He's a senior, so he's got some some knowledge under himself, under his belt, and he has zero interceptions this year. So that's pretty good. And he's got fourteen touchdowns. And if he can do that against his Utah offense, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Utah. Yeah, they could. They very well could. They, they'll cover. It's gonna be a good week, uh, with a lot of excitement. Yeah. It'll definitely shake up. Um, the first college football rankings come out in two weeks, I think. So let's do this, Wes. Who do you think this week is going to have the biggest blowout? Which game do you think is going to be the biggest blowout? Oh, I think LSU blows out Florida, like, pretty big. I, I'm going to say – I could say by 30 points, to be honest with you. I could, see, I could see, like, 20, 20 – like, three touchdowns, maybe four. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about 30. 30's a lot because Florida's defense is pretty good. But I don't, I don't trust Florida. I think just the inconsistency. It's the offense. It. It's, it's, can the offense score enough with LSU? Because the LSU offense is now pretty dang good. And they still got playmakers on the defense side of football. Don't get me wrong. But you got a backup quarterback in there going in a hostile environment where all those fans are going to be very well hydrated with some good bush light in them. Like they're gonna be rocking there in Death Valley. Like the Tigers going, gonna be on push light. Like it's gonna LSU, be crazy. LSU then by 17, 20 points because Florida is, could be a pretty decent team to play against. So, I mean Alabama could very well like rock Texas A and M out of the second quarter. Could be yeah. second Dead half. Silent. Second half or second quarter? Second quarter. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, it's gonna be a good week. The Oklahoma, Texas, for sure, and then the um, the Penn State, Iowa. I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, those are going to be your two best games of the week by, yeah. by far. They're going to come down to the last drive. Absolutely. And I, and Penn State is sneaky, man. If they beat Iowa single handedly, like they could be a a very well um, challenged to Ohio State because they only play Ohio State. They had their problems with Michigan State, yeah, and then they got a home game against Michigan. But you look down the schedule, it gets pretty easy for them, and then you got Ohio State at the end of the year. They very well could make that run. That could be a big game. That could be a huge game. We just got to see how well these these kids can prepare for the upcoming weeks because durability is a big big issue if – a lot of teams are playing ranked teams. They have a big challenge. But if you have, like, this Ohio State playing these crappy teams or, like, Oklahoma playing these crappy teams. And Ohio State's like, schedule is so backloaded, too. So, like, you never know how well the injuries are going to come. Like, a big part of this is injuries. If you're looking ahead of the schedule, yes, you can't implement that. You can't implement the, the, uh, the endurance of, like, some of these players. Going through a college football season is a lot. It, it really is. Like, it takes a Especially, big hole. you got to think about this, too, right? Like, to all our listeners, we have 18 to 21-year-olds for most of them. 18 years old. These kids not even fully developed yet, and they're in the gym working with their strength conditioning coach, working with the physical therapist, working with the, the sports medicine doctors, and making sure that their body is ready to be tackled by a senior linebacker who is probably 6'2", 200. 50 pounds ready to make the NFL draft. 
So, like, we have to think about that, right? Week after week, are these kids going to be with the, able to withstand the season? It's not like the NFL where most guys are already at that level where it's pretty level playing field. That's why we see a lot of blowouts to some of these teams because it's not as leveled as it would be in more of a professional setting. So that's a big thing, too, to think for. There's a lot of different factors in college football. I mean, I love it because it's so much different, and you never know what you're going to expect. Um, and these kids are playing because they love the game. That's that's the biggest thing. But, yeah, Ohio State's schedule is definitely uh, loaded towards later in the season, like they have Wisconsin. Then they got Penn State and Michigan at the end. Michigan's going to be a joke this year against them. They're playing at the big, big house. <laughs> I mean, they're just playing so bad, man. They they won by what, like three points last week against and Iowa. They're <laughs> just they're just playing awful. They're just playing so bad, and it, it feels so good. But yeah, I mean, when they when they have a road game, and it's going to be a whiteout in Penn State, that might be a big throbbing like. That might be a big throbbing L. They, they, Penn when State might Penn put up State 50. Michigan? Next week. Next yeah, week. Oh. Yeah? Oh, week eight? No, next week. Yeah. What is it, week seven now? I, week I thought seven. it was week seven. Oh, okay. So week seven, yeah. They played... They play week eight. They're, it's going to be like a doubleheader with um, – you're going to have Wisconsin and Ohio State. I think that's next week, right? Michigan is favored to win a game. Oh, my God. Oh, bet thinking? on Penn State like crazy right now if that line is open. Dude, I, I totally hammer Penn State like crazy. They literally have Michigan ranked by 4.5 points. What, Like, who is doing the schedule? I don't favored? understand this. They're favored by 4.5? Oh, man, I totally take Penn State in, like, a heartbeat money line. If that line yeah, is open right now, I'm, I'm putting every single dollar I got on that. I mean, this really comes down to coaching. I believe in James Franklin more than I do Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh's just got to mess around him with, like, his, his other coaches. It's not just him. It's just like the other coaches are like so in and out that you don't really make a chemistry with your coaches. That's a big thing with coaching too. You got to know who's around you as your assistant coaches and your coordinators. They're just as involved as the head coach, probably even more. Yeah, yeah, a lot more. A lot more. I spent more time with my defensive coordinator than my head coach. Yeah, because the head coach is not really the X and O guy. The head coach is coaching the coaches. That's what the head coach is pretty much he's, there for to do. He's, 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 over- he's the main line guy. Yeah, he's overseeing, overseeing everything. And some have a little bit more involvement than others. Yeah, some are going to be more active. But there's a lot of them that are just there for the more the motivation to see, like, okay, is this a good call? Is this a good call? But he's not, like, drawing Game manager. Stuff on him. Exactly. Yeah, it, we got a lot of college football coming up in the next few weeks, and I'm excited to start uh, that podcast, especially when the first college football playoff rankings come out. So that'll be interesting. All right, uh, it's the first week of NHL hockey. I have been really busy at work lately. Make sure you guys subscribe to the NHL YouTube channel and check out um, all that content out there. We got a lot of content coming out. And we also have the packages I make and produce and sell of the week and the um, three best three on three on overtime, but enough promotion. Let's get into some hockey. The Flyers are right now one of the undefeated teams, along with the New York Rangers, who have only still played two games. 
which is kind of ironic. Then you got the Edmonton Oilers sitting at 4-0. Carolina 4-0 with three overtime games. St. Louis just took a one loss last night against, um, I think it was, uh, who was the one overtime? Oh, it was actually the Capitals uh, last weekend to kick off the season. So those are pretty much your undefeated teams. Um, I can't think of anyone else right now. The Colorado Avalanche are undefeated. Um, let me go through here. Yeah, it's just like the scheduling right now is in full effect. Um, Ant, have you been keeping up with the hockey sticks and the ice? And like, has anyone impressed you so far? Uh, I wouldn't say about impressing, but I'm very disappointed in the Devils. Flyers fan, so I'm more than happy right now, but. It's way too early. It's just like, like not working. It's just like, but it is. I don't know, like what's going. On. They brought Wayne Simmons, PK Subban. They just got the number one overall pick, Jack Hughes. Um, they have so much talent on that team, and they lost. They're 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 they didn't win one game yet. They're zero two and one. Flyers. They've been in two up. playoff, uh, two overtime games. Shoot out I just, <laughs> I just don't understand. Flyers destroyed them 4-0. They just they're sloppy. They're just really sloppy. Like couldn't move the puck well. They're giving up the puck in their own defensive zone, which you cannot do in the NHL. It's not like college hockey or like anything else. Like this is the professional league. These guys are quick and they're gonna see that and they're gonna jump on it right away. And that's what they're pretty much doing. Um Sticking out to me, though, I mean, I haven't watched really much. The Sabres are 3-0. I'm really surprised to see that. Um, Carolina's 4-0. That's pretty surprising, too. I know Carolina's been coming off hot, man. (laughs) Yeah, for real. The Blues, they're 3-0. That's no surprise. They got the one overtime loss. And then the Oilers are 4-0. They're actually... Uh, they're tied with the Hurricanes right now. The NHL is like shifting a little bit, which is pretty surprising. San, San Jose is one and four. San Jose looks awful. They they look terrible. And the Blackhawks are just as much as a um, a letdown as the Detroit Red Wings have been over the years because this is like a Stanley Cup caliber team that is now like way low in the in the NHL. So. I don't they're know just the Blackhawks aren't deep. That's what it is. Their third, their third and fourth lines are pretty uh, shaky. There's no balance on that team. It's simple. It's Dallas too top heavy. Yeah, Dallas is going to keep moving up. Pittsburgh, I don't know what's going to happen with them. Flyers will probably move up a little bit. Toronto is definitely going to move up. Look out for them. Tampa's still strong. I think the Capitals going to stay where they are. Winnipeg will probably move down. Boston will stay where they are. Uh, St. Louis is going to be. A good strong team. I don't think Buffalo is going to withstand much. Carolina is going to be strong, and the Oilers are definitely going to move down too a little bit. So, just watch out for these couple like win game streaks that these these teams have because the NHL is a very level playing field. It's a and, long uh, season. It's all very long season, and you never know who's going to win. Yeah, I mean San Jose could come back. Like we, the the system has been proven that you can still be the worst team in the NHL in January and come back and win the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis that's, Blues. 
that's what I love about hockey, man. It just gives you more. It gives you so much of an opportunity to do well if you're willing to put the work in. Because there's 82 games. You got 82 games. You have every day a chance to get out there and play and prove yourself. Do you want to get to the cup or not? Yeah. There's it's been uh, once a week. Football's once a week, man. You gotta show up or you're done. It's tough. Football is a yeah, tough. That's game. what. That's why I like football, man. You. It's like. It's like one one game, bring it on. If you're better than me, you win. Like, prove I it. like that. I like that. I just think it sucks because sometimes, like, you'll have a bad call or something that will blow blow a game and whatnot. And I I like it. I don't. I like. I True. Like, everything's magnified. It's a fair. It's a fair argument. Pros and cons of everything, Wes. I like okay. the NHL, but I don't like that it's kind of getting a little bit softer. And the game is getting so freaking fast. These guys are getting a little bit so, like smaller because it's just more on speed than it is anything else. Dude, you go back in the early 90s, like these guys were like 6'5", like 250 pounds on skates. That's literally like size of a tight end. Yeah. I think a thing that sticks out with me right now is that we already have uh, two four-goal games, one by James Neal. James Neal on the Oilers has been like a tremendous piece to them. And then, did you, did you see what they posted? I think it was like on the NHL discussion app or something. Uh, no, NHL discussion uh, Instagram was like, coach said, if you score four goals or more, you don't have to show up to practice. And it goes, <laughs> James Neal completely took advantage of this. And dude, yeah. honestly, I mean, I coach too. Really, if you're going to score four goals, I may implement that rule too because, like, it clearly shows that you're doing something right. Yeah, man. I mean, people, they deserve rewards. Why not? They probably do with the with the um this the way the schedule is. But um, he had a four goal game, and then the Detroit Red uh, Red Wing guy Anthony Mantha Mantha had four goals as well. And yeah, that fourth a, goal was the game decision goal against Dallas with, like, 50 seconds left in the game. Yeah, he's coming up, man. Anthony Mantha is a very talented player. He was never really under the radar, but he wasn't as known as some of these other guys that have always been at the top, like, obviously, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. Well, Connor McDavid is the best player in the game. Yeah. yeah, he is. Uh, it's – well, uh, it's so tough to say because if you're saying offensively, it's hands down he is. But, like, defensively, like, I believe that there has to be some type of aggression if you want to be. He's defensive. made improvements on defense this year. You, it's, it's shown. Yeah, he's been pretty good. He's been but using like, his body more, which is really good because he does have a big body. Like, I like a guy like, honestly, I like a guy like Sammy Crosby because he plays great offense and defense, and he's a great, like, yeah. He is like NHL Hall of Fame, Gordie Howe, Wayne Gretzky. Like he is. Did you see him there. fighting? Uh, I forget who it was, but he threw down the um, the gloves on uh, Sat this past Saturday, and like the refs were like so Sydney? into like yeah he he did fought. he Crosby? Yeah, he had a look it up right now. He had a fight. I think wow, it was against the like, Sabers. That like never happens. Yeah, he got into a fight, and, like, the refs were trying to break it up before it starts because, like, Sidney Crosby is pretty much, like, one of the best marketing tools you can have in at NHL. <laughs> but, yeah, and they don't want him to – they don't want him – he's yeah. not a fighter. They know that, so they're kind of breaking up immediately, which is dumb, but I get it. 
But he 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 threw in some couple punches. That was pretty good. Like there's been a few fights that have been pretty well good. But yeah, yeah it's it's pretty early in the season to make uh, conclusions right now. Devils like like I said at the beginning of the season, their vulnerability right now is defense and goalie. <laughs> they got Blackwood and Schneider in there, and that's like ew. They just gotta they just gotta they gotta work as a team. They gotta work as a unit because this whole they just and they're they not will. cycling. They're not cycling the puck well at all, and that's a big problem. They're just not. They're not getting tape to tape passes. They're not getting their. They're getting their chances. Like they're big time getting their chances, but they're just not playing strong enough for the whole game. It and takes a long that, time to build chemistry. Like the usually the first month of the hockey season is all about building chemistry, and then like once like uh, January and February comes, that's when teams go on a run. And that's the big thing with the Devils right now is, like you said, is chemistry. They just have so much talent, but they just don't know how to work yet. Yeah, like Flyers have been there. They they know the Blues. They've been there. They know this. They know the system. Lightning. They've been there. They really haven't had many additions, so like they know how to work pretty well. Yeah, Anaheim went on a run last year at the beginning of like October and November, and then they just like fell flat and like they were awful. They're so. three and one now. Surprise. They, they start strong all the time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's Ant's favorite subject. It's time for him to talk about the NASCAR playoffs, and they're in Talladega this week. I haven't really been keeping up with NASCAR playoffs because, in my mind, I just like kind of fell out of it w- with the sport. I'll go to races and stuff and still have fun and like check in every now and then. But Ant is the NASCAR guy. Go ahead, Ant. All right, so the last race I watched was September 29th at Charlotte with your dad's boy right there, Chase Elliott, taking the win for 52 points. Then the following week, October 6th, was at Dover in Delaware. Dude, this is a boring track. <laughs> this is a boring track. It's My cousin Bria match. actually went to that race. <laughs> it's so boring. It's literally just, it's like worse than Pocono. It's a mile long, 400 laps, and it's literally just a circle. So I didn't watch that. Carl, Carl, um, Carl, Kyle Larson took the win, 57 points, followed by Martin Truex, my boy, 54, and Alex Bowman, 44. That was surprising. Kyle Busch, nowhere in the standings on that. Now this week at Talladega, back in Bama, this is a 188-lap track, 266 miles each lap, tri-oval, 2 o'clock, Sunday the 13th, and the defending champ is Eric Almaroa. Surprising. You really don't see like these guys, um, you know, winning these races, but sometimes they do. Usually it's like your known guys like Joey Logano, like Kevin Harvick, Kyle Bush, Martin Truex, but you never know who's going to win. So it's pretty exciting. So moving into the standings right now, we got Martin Truex Jr. in first place, actually, with 3,095 points. Right behind him by 15 is Denny Hamlin, also tied with Kyle Bush. They both have 3,080. Fourth place, Kevin Harvick with 3,074. And then in fifth place, Kyle Larson. So that's a pretty surprising standing. I'm not shocked to see Truex or Kyle Busch at the top there. To see Kyle Larson down there, that's pretty surprising. I thought maybe somebody like Joey Legano would be moved up a little bit or Chase, uh, Chase Elliott. William Byron's at there at eighth, eighth place, but Alex Bowman's right above him. So um, surprising standings, uh, but exciting like usual. And, uh, I'll have to see what happens this week in Alabama. Yeah, man. How many races are left? Uh, four? 
There are a total of one five after this. Five. It, well, where are the remaining remember. tracks? It's uh, one's Darlington, right? You got Kansas, Martinsville, Texas, Phoenix, and then uh, Miami. Oh yeah, Phoenix is one of the last year. No, Miami had a track. Didn't know Miami had a track actually. It's it's like out in the Everglades. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> honestly, you don't like it. I know you don't like it. I mean, besides Daytona, I love the Charlotte uh, track. Uh, guys, I know you hate it. Those guys, they just, dude, you know, like NASCAR, they just want to rip on the gas pedal. They just want to get going. They don't want to have to stop and make turns and shit. And like the tr- track forces them to do that and they don't like it and they don't know how to do it well. Or they're like running through the boundary zone and having to get uh, penalized and having to restart. Um, I love that track. I think it's awesome. So many different turns. Nice little straight. Daytona is always exciting because that's always like a really aggressive race. And then, I mean, when we went to, um, Pocono, that was exciting too, but it's just so big. It's such a big track. It's just like can't if, even enjoy it. My thing it is like if majority of races are gonna be like four turns and like majority of racetracks are that way, and you have like two or three road courses in there, don't put a road course in a playoff in like a cut in the cut situation. Yeah, I mean, it, it really challenges them, honestly. And and Talladegan in Alabama is actually bigger than uh, Pocono. Pocono is a massive racetrack. Talladegan is huge. Talladega is massive. Uh, Pocono yeah. is um, 2.5 miles long. Talladega is yeah. uh, 2.66 and 100, 188 laps, which I think um, you have to Pocono, suck at Talladega in order to get lapped. <laughs> yeah, and Pocono is 163. So, like, they're driving a lot more. It's going to be much of a longer race, especially in the playoffs. But, yeah, you you have, you have to, like, not know what you're doing to get la- to get lapped there. I mean, that's, that's a long track. Like, you got to just be, like, cra- crashing the back of people's bumpers and just, like, being a complete douche, honestly. You got to be swerving and, like, really intoxicated in order to get lapped at Talladega. Yeah. But you're probably drinking way too much in the infield before the race, and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, like where they do all the side <laughs> things and stuff. No, but honestly, man, it's exciting. I, I truly do like NASCAR. I think a lot of people don't see it's a sport. But, I mean, dude, those guys in those cars, they're, like, mentally just drained. You're just going. It's a lot of G-force. It's a lot of G-force, and you're just you're just going. Like, these guys are sweating like nuts, and you got to worry about crashing at a 160 200 miles per hour just a lot to do it like hour after hour after hour so yeah. it's exciting because like one mistake i have respect for those guys so, like, i have total respect yeah like, like they legit go through like strength conditioning programs they take their they take their stuff just as serious as like nfl player would i mean you see the fights in the after the races Bubba wallace like throwing water in eric Amaro, uh alex bowman's face uh, we need more of that, by the way. Last week. We do need NASCAR need, needs more of that. It really does. I think I think NASCAR is like probably the most exciting when it comes to like fights because you don't expect it as much. They need to do like what the uh, that them and NHL need to do a better job of marketing their players like to start. The NHL needs to do that. The NHL, dude, they the have NHL to. Has so many studs in the in the league. It's just. 
there's so many like well put together players. They just they need to market their players better, and they just don't like you know like Tyler Sagan, you know Sidney Crosby, you know Nathan McKinnon, you know the top guys. But like, what about all these other guys that we don't ever hear of? You know, yeah, like you never hear about all these other other guys in the league. And they need to be marketable too. Like PK Subban is great at that, and that's why you see his face everywhere. Yeah, I think also it is a thing of privacy. Like I think the players truly do appreciate humbleness. Yeah, like, where like they don't want to go on the TV and do some type of like marketing. They just want to play the game. And like, that's what I Yeah, like. But in order to, you got to do that in order to get paid. <laughs> yeah. In, in professional sports, at least I can agree with you on that. Like in professional sports, you need to be a little bit more out there. It's just the way it goes, you know, like national hockey league, it's like not, a, not anything to be just like, you know, under the covers about. Right. Well, guys, that is all the time we have for today. We thank you for joining us. If you have any suggestions and comments going uh, forward, leave a comment. Give us a message. Uh, comment down below. If you have opinions that you would like to share, go ahead. Um, like us on Facebook and follow us on t- Twitter at BenchBros2019. We keep you up to date on every headline throughout the week on those pages. We are available on Spotify, Anchor, and SoundCloud. Again, thank you for listening. You can catch the Bench Bros podcast every Thursday and Friday, depending on when we record. You can catch the NFL Weekly Drive on every Tuesday or Wednesday. And you can now catch the CFP 100 every Wednesday. That'll be a new show. That'll be talking about college football, the power rankings when they come out, college football playoff standings, all of that. So, again, thank you for listening. Anthony, any last thoughts before we are out of here? No, but you almost said <laughs> you almost said you almost follow us on Tinder. I don't think Bench Bros has a Tinder. Do we have a Tinder? A Tinder? Does, Bench Bros, <laughs> does, does Bench Bros have a Tinder? Uh, we should have a Tinder. I almost said Twitch. <laughs> I didn't say Tinder. <laughs> it's all good, boy. No, I'm yeah. good. I got nothing else. I covered everything I possibly could cover. I don't think go, any go, of us need Tinder. I think we're pretty go, good. <laughs> go Kyle Bush. Go Kyle Bush. All right, I'm Wesley Splane. We'll see you next week on Bench Bros. We out. <laughs>